Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Casey Brown, checking in live from my couch. <laughs> a couple days a week, I get to spend a little time just hanging out on my couch, doing my computer work. I have a little like comfy nook situation. Got my coffee, got my candle, got my computer, got my microphone, got everything I need. So I hope you're week is going well. I hope we are feeling pretty dang good, ready to take on whatever life throws at us. You guys are amazing. In today's episode, oh my goodness, I, we did this, and as, as you guys know, with starting a podcast, we pre-recorded a lot of episodes because I was like, I really hope people want to come on to the show and we have people. And I will tell you, it's just naturally flowed and organically people have we've connected with and these ugh, these beautiful people are sharing their stories and helping so many people and I'm so glad you guys are getting so much out of these episodes that's exactly why I wanted to start this podcast to help others and make you feel that you are not alone and in today's story and um episode we have our girl Katie Maloney Now, Katie and I were introduced together from my girl, sorry, I can't talk, from my girl Jordan from Listen Lucy, who was on a previous podcast that you guys should definitely listen to, my high school soccer captain story. She's amazing. Um, Jordan works with different entrepreneurs on helping them with their businesses, and Katie is one of her clients. And she reached out to me and was like, you've got to meet Katie her story's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. I read about her and I was like, this girl needs to be on our podcast. She's unbelievable. So let me chat about Katie real quick before we get into today's episode. Katie is actually a, well, she's an author, she's a speaker, and she's a coach. And she always says that she's deeply passionate about oversharing, which is honestly, I feel you. I'm right there with you. Um, she is a survivor and a now coach from her story. So her mission is to share very real and frequently awkward stories, she says, of navigating healing from 18 years of childhood sexual abuse so that others feel comfortable laughing about, loving, and sharing their own stories. And through her story, she was always looking, uh, when she started to really hone in on dealing with what she had gone through and trying to heal from it. She was reaching out to different, you know, she was going to therapy, which she says is a huge part of obviously what she's been through, but she was reading all these self-help books and just felt like she could write a book and fill in some of the blank pieces that she was looking for in these books she was reading. So she wrote a book, Cake Pops and Coffee, which are two of my favorite things. Hello. And she is just the most like she tells her story about trauma, but she she talks about the difficult pieces and then the beautiful pieces of um, how she, you know, how she worked through feeling small, feeling alone, and navigated these beliefs that caused her to be afraid of being seen. Um, she talks about saving her past self and learning how to find safety within herself. And even if you've not personally been through something like this, like myself, right? I learned so much from her resilience and her story and her just everything about 
her, you will see can help you in your own life. And that's the beauty of this podcast is you might not have the same story or been through the same trauma as someone that we bring on here, but they will help you in your everyday life, open up little pieces of you that you didn't even know existed and things that you were holding back because you were afraid of being seen. And the way that she talks about her whole journey is so lighthearted in an area that can be very heavy. And she does such a beautiful job of bringing it all together and helping people by sharing her story. And there is just so many pieces in here that you are going to relate to and be able to grow from. So Katie, thank you so much. Your authenticity was so beautiful in this podcast and re-listening to it and getting it ready to launch um, just brought back how you made me feel in this episode and you're just unbelievable. So I hope that you guys will follow her. Um, all of her information will be linked uh, in the show notes, as always. Um, you can find her on Instagram at Katie, K-A-T-I-E, Maloney, M-A-L-O-N-E-Y, coaching. And she's also a coach, obviously, a trauma survivor coach, and just someone that you'd be able to reach out to and really, really connect with. So without further ado, my girl Heather also joined me on this podcast, which was a beautiful combination of the three of us. So so happy to be bringing this to you guys thank you katie so much and we will see you in the next episode love y'all i don't know because she asked me to i love her so i say yes (laughs) we Um, here's the thing katie so you're not so you'll you'll pick up on this pretty quickly with heather and i but she is her and i are like yin and yang right so like i am very like energy, teach the boot camp classes. Let's go. Blah, 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 blah. Can't shut up. And then Heather is like, so like, what did I call you the one day? I was like, you're like a surfer California chick. Like you're just like chill and go with the flow. And like, you bring me, you bring me down in a good way. And like, so we, it's, it's one of those friendships that balance each other so beautifully. So when it comes to bringing guests on and having like, at first I was like, obviously it'll be me and I'll be talking to somebody. But then whenever I started, I was like, no, Heather, you need to be on these conversations too, because you'll Mm. see like just all of our stories are so intertwined and like the things that she can bring to the, to the conversation. Um, and then I have a friend of mine, Sam, who's a personal trainer and he's, he's a male and I bring him on for conversations (laughs) and it's just, you know, cause I mean, Sam, you know, could be both. And so we talk about, I mean, it's, it's so cool just to bring that third person in and kind of have that, that dynamic. So it's been really awesome and it's been really fun. So that's why there's two of us here, Katie. Um, yay. So where do you live currently? I am currently in Pittsburgh. Oh, so you're, are you from Pittsburgh? I'm not, I'm originally from Chicago and then I moved to Pittsburgh for school and I've been here ever since. Okay. So where did you go to school? I went to Chatham University. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. That's all. Is It was all girls until the year after I graduated. So, and okay. now it's So one of my best friends went there and I'm oh, going right. to be really embarrassed if I'm saying that wrong. I'm pretty sure she went to Chatham. It's downtown, right? Downtown Pittsburgh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm from Pittsburgh. I mean, I, I live in Rhode Island now, but I born and raised in Pittsburgh for 26 years. And then I moved out here for my husband's job like five years ago to Rhode Island. So I am, that's why Jordan and I are, there's so much I still am so connected to. Um, Obviously my family and everybody's still in Pittsburgh. So um, what area do you live in? Now, I I mean, I've lived in so many 
I just hopped around so much, but right now I yes. live in kind of like the Millville, Aspenwall, like right off okay. of the area. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So I am just going to go ahead and I have your, your stuff all pulled up. Um, before which, you record, I'm so sorry yeah. to interrupt. So, um, interrupt. Nick, um, Katie, that's my wife. Nick is, um, <laughs> teaching a class right okay. now. And so if you start to hear her voice, um, just like put up a, like a finger or something and I'll mute myself and then so I'll, I'll like my, flick you off. Yeah. And you can you give me the middle yourself. finger <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll just plug my headphones in. So then it'll be using the computer, um, mic and audio. So you don't hear her like teaching a class. <laughs> it's all good. We love no, when Nick's this a part is of quarantine it life. We got to flow. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. Literally. <laughs> all right. So let's get into this. I'm super excited about this one. I also, oh, quick side note. <laughs> this could be how we start the podcast. I got pulled over on the way home and <laughs> literally shot you guys a text. Like we're going to have to go 15 minutes behind. So Ugh, it's one of those moments where like, you know, you did wrong, but you didn't mean to do wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so basically what happened was I was driving. I had a chiropractor. I had clients this morning and then I have a chiropractor appointment on Tuesdays and then I'm on my way back. And there's like this little tiny, everything in Rhode Island is very small. And these little, these little roads were going through and there's a bunch of police around because there was a bunch of road work happening. And I have a telehealth appointment tomorrow with my uh, functional medicine doctor. And I have to move that appointment because I now I'm also a tennis coach. We're throwing it all in all on the plate. The plate is very full, um, but that's okay. It's a beautiful plate. And so I, we have a tennis match tomorrow because the girls are off of school. So I have to move this appointment. So I'm on speakerphone, holding the phone, like way over here, like talking and paying attention, but obviously holding the phone and changing my appointment. Right. And being like, I can't be there tomorrow. All of a sudden I turn the corner and the motorcycle police officer puts his lights on. And I'm like, there's no way this is for me. Like, like, were they in my car with me? Like, I'm so confused. And then he pulls, comes behind me and I'm like, are you serious? So I sit there and he, they always ask you like, do you know why you got pulled over? And I'm like, and you kind of want to be like, I was doing like, I'm always very honest. Like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. Like I was holding my phone and he was like, yeah, in the state of Rhode Island, it's illegal to hold your phone in the car at all times. Like there's no holding allowed. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize stupid me. I was so like in the moment, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that was the rule. Like me, obviously I know not to like text and drive, but it didn't hit me of like just holding the phone. Like it didn't. So I was like, honestly, I didn't realize that it was just holding the phone. And he was like, yeah. So he goes back there he's back there for like 10 minutes. I'm like, what is he finding on me? Like, I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm then you start to freak out. Like, did I, am I something in a former life? Is he, what is he finding about me? I've done nothing wrong. So he comes up and he's like, you have to appear in court. Like, there's not like a, you can't like just pay this one. Like I was ready to just pay whatever. What? And he's like, no, you're gonna have to show up. Yeah. Oh so you gosh. have to go to like the again, I've never done this. He goes, do you know where the blah, blah, blah of motor vehicles? I'm like, no, because I've never gotten in trouble. (laughs) Like, I don't know where it is. And so basically I have to show up and he's like, maybe this is, I don't know, like a, a, a tip for everybody. But if you ever get pulled over for that, apparently he said, I can go and buy a, like, you know, like the, I have one, which is funny, but I have like the, um, the pop socket, like holder on my car. Mm. He's like, if you go buy a cell phone holder and bring the receipt in with you and show them that you purchased a cell phone holder 
so that you don't have to hold your phone anymore. And I'm like laughing. Cause I'm like, there's one right there on my car, you know? And he's like, yeah. they'll, they'll get, they'll just tell you to leave. You're fine. And I'm like, okay, thank you. He's like, It could be a hundred dollars. And I'm like, all right, at this point, I'd rather just pay the hundred dollars and not have to go into court on a Monday morning, but it's <laughs> fine. So I'm like, come home and I'm like, Hey husband, I uh, guess who's going to court? Like, it's just like the weirdest. Oh, anyway. But this, this is my life. Katie, you'll realize Heather knows this. Like, it's just what vibes around me. Like, it's just constant. It's just, it's not even like it's negative and positive. Like, I feel like a lot of positive is around me, but there's also like, I'm a magnet for weird shit at the same time. Like that is just, you know? So anyway, there's my story and we're here and we're here. And that's probably going to go in the podcast. We're going to put that in there and Maybe everyone else can get out of their driving tickets if they get pulled over, if they bring a receipt. He literally told me, go to Walmart, go buy one of those holders, take the receipt in with you and show that you bought one and they'll let you go. And I'm like, perfect. Thank you for the inside scoop. So anyway, perfect. We're dropping nuggets all the time on this podcast. You have no idea. <laughs> um, all right, guys, welcome to True to You Chats. With Casey and Heather today is my co-host. We are welcoming our friend Katie. We're so excited to have Katie on the podcast. Insert applause. Oh my God, Katie. I was just going to say that. <laughs> okay. See, Insert we're, applause. Yay. We're meant to be co-hosts, um, Heather and I. Um, so a little quick uh, background of how I am introduced to Katie. And we are so excited to get into... Katie's whole story. Cause it's just, um, I was just so looking forward to this talk. Cause I feel like it's just going to open up a lot for a lot of people, um, including myself and, and definitely including Heather too. Cause we just had some conversations recently that I know Heather's going to vibrate with Katie on, on, um, Katie's story. But so my friend, Jordan, who will, who would have been on a previous podcast at this point with listen, Lucy, Jordan and I are high school friends. Um, we just had an awesome podcast with Sam not that long ago that you guys will be hearing. Uh, Jordan works with Katie. So Jordan introduced me to Katie and said, you've got to have this girl on your podcast. Her story is amazing. She is just going to be a light for you. And she sent me like a whole background of who Katie is. And I was like, absolutely. This is what this place is for. This is what this space is for is to allow anybody, everybody to share their truth, share their, um, this is a space for you to share your story. And also for us too, it's, we are learning so much with each guest. Like I, it, it's opening up little pathways within myself. Every time we talk to someone of like, wow, maybe at first I didn't think Katie and I's story was a parallel to begin with, but maybe it's a lot more close than I realize, right? Like after you really get to talk with someone and, and realize a lot of us deal with a lot of similar situations or similar headspace or similar mental health. So I'm super excited to have Katie on here and we are going to talk about all the things. And before I keep babbling on why I'm excited to have Katie on here, I'm going to have Katie introduce herself. So Katie... Welcome. Hi. Thank Hi. you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Of course. Anyone that Jordan refers to me, I trust wholeheartedly because Jordan, and I would trust with anything. Like I'm like, yeah, girl, you tell me to do that. I'm going to go and do that because she is like mama bear and she will make sure everyone's taken care of. So I'm super excited to have you on here. So Katie has a big resume as far as she's also an author Heather and I are authors. She's a public speaker. She does coaching online. So what I really want to open up with Katie is just who you are, right? Like give us a little bit of who you are. Katie's in the Pittsburgh area right now. Obviously you guys know that's where 
where my hometown is. And so just a little bit about who you are, where you are in your life right now, what you've done, what led you to this point, kind of a loaded question, but maybe just like a little bit about you and they can get to know you and then we can kind of open it up from there. Awesome. Well, okay. So first of all, my name is Katie. Um, I started Katie Maloney coaching about two years ago, but it was really a business in the making for the past 10 years. Um, and I, I started it because I am a survivor of 18 years of childhood sexual abuse. And once I got away from that and I moved to Pittsburgh and I was going to school, I really started noticing how much the trauma was affecting me in so many other ways than I ever would have predicted. And I started looking for resources. So I went to therapy. Therapy is absolutely amazing. Um, and then I read all the self-help books and I was just trying to figure kind of myself out. Um, but what I found was that all of the healing resources that were available were often just surrounded by so much heaviness and focused only on my story of trauma. But there were so many other aspects of my story. And I was, I just needed a resource, a healing resource that felt like I was actually having a conversation with my best friend just while like sipping coffee and eating cake pops and just going back and forth and sharing stories. Um, and I needed something that also included lightheartedness and even humor sometimes and just didn't feel so heavy. And so that's when I started writing my book, which is Cake Pops and Coffee, A New Conversation About Trauma. And I also love that name, by the way. Oh, like, yes. It just makes me happy. And it yes. like then I looked at like the, the front cover of your book and I was like, this is like, it's, I know, like, obviously the, the story behind it is obviously a very deep story, but gosh, like the, the cover of it is talk about lightheartedness and something that people will feel like they can reach to and not feel like it's going to be like a heavy brick that just like falls into your hand of like, oh, I have to do all this work and all of this, this heaviness in this story. It's like a lighthearted feel from the beginning. So I just want to like throw that out there and be like, oh. that's the vibe that I got from, yes. from reading and looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes me so happy because that was the exact goal. And it, again, it was just because I had read so many books um, about healing from trauma. And every time, like just from the titles and the way they, the covers, the way they looked, it just felt heavy before I even opened them. And I was like, can I please just have something that is inviting and makes me actually excited to open it? And so that I really, it was really important to me that the title and the cover was really inviting. So, yay, I'm glad that you felt that way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And so, for for everyone else, we'll definitely link the book in the show notes um, underneath here because you got to definitely check that out. But um, so let's talk a little bit about where like your story began and what did I just I just sound like I was from the South began and where <laughs> your I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Welcome began. to the chat. <laughs> I don't know. Every single Katie, every single episode, anytime you are with Casey. One of the most amazing things about having a conversation with her is that she makes up her own words. <laughs> I really do. I and really I've known do. this girl for a decade and every fucking time we have a conversation is like, oh, there's a, there's another one. <laughs> yes. okay. There are many caseyisms that that happen, especially on this podcast. I am like, um, I am exposed with my with my caseyisms for sure. Um, so back where your story began, um, if we and, and that's, I think the beauty of, I was so excited to meet you because Heather and I too, right? Like we've got these 
stories that can be very heavy and people might not want to like feel comfortable talking to you about it because it, 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 they're almost afraid to say something wrong or that it feels like such like the word trauma or sexual abuse or eating disorders, like these things for people that have never experienced it, those words are, might be very, um, uh, intimidating for someone to come to you and talk about that. So for, for us too, like this lightheartedness about, you know, we're not saying that what we went through was rainbows and butterflies, but we will be, be, able to help more people by bringing that lightheartedness to it and being like, you know what, like, let's bring this conversation to an easier place where we can all kind of level in the same, you know, be at the same level and be able to talk about it without it feeling so heavy. That's a perfect word for it without it feeling so heavy. Um, so for your story, where, like, where'd your story start? Like, I'm just so intrigued by your story, where it started, what, what got you out of it? Like, girl, I have so many questions. So we'll start from the beginning. Let's just start from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of people who have experienced any type of abuse, childhood abuse, will this will resonate that with them. And it's I it wasn't until I was 16, 17, 18, and even older that I really realized that my upbringing wasn't normal <laughs> and that other people weren't experiencing that. Um, so I I knew from a very early age when I knew that I didn't feel okay I knew that I didn't feel safe and I knew that I didn't want to live there anymore um and so that was when I I just made I started I remember like saving money and just deciding like okay as soon as I'm 18 and I can I am moving as far away as I possibly can and so I started applying for schools um and I found Pittsburgh and I was able to you know make that work for myself and so I went to chat um to chat I went to Pittsburgh and that was I would say that I feel like is where my story it's like what I experienced as a kid is maybe act one and act two really began and that's what I consider like this life my life um um and the reason I say that is because once you get away from the trauma that is when you really start one, remembering things. I mean, when you're in it, there were things that I blocked out. I wasn't even aware it were happening. And it wasn't until I was safe and away from it that I, you know, could start re recollecting memories. Triggers started coming up. All of these things that needed to be processed and healed starting co started coming up. And that was when um, my journey, my healing journey really started. And that, again, was when I was like, oh, okay, I need some, <laughs> I need some serious help and it's not even I not a bad thing I just need to be able to talk to somebody and that really wasn't available so I remember um I don't want to go off on a rant but the no one go on a rant girl ran okay, it <laughs> ran it baby ran it really and again I think a lot of people who've experienced similar situations will resonate with this is um I knew that I needed to write my book and I really needed to start my business when I entered into my very first romantic relationship um, and that was, it was, it's, it, you go from dealing with everything that you've experienced on your own to now another person being involved and a person that you need to work on feeling safe with and comfortable and vulnerable with, and even intimate with. And that was, I mean, it was, there was just like a floodgate of other things that I needed to process opened up. And I remember just being like, God, every, all of these books will tell me like, okay, share your story, like, or just really focus on the trauma dig deep into it, blah, blah, but no one's talking to me about how to hold my partner's hand, how to learn to feel comfortable holding his hand, you know, and it was just simple 
things like that, that all trauma survivors, almost all trauma survivors experience, but no one was talking about, no one was helping you navigate. And that is really when I started writing my book and really working on starting my coaching business, because that's what I want to help people work through. So, I mean, there's so many little things I want to pull from that conversation. And I see also mm-hmm. Heather like shaking her head so much because I know Heather's stories too. So it's like mm-hmm. very, um, it's very, you know, just interesting that we, when, when you're in that moment, when you're younger, right. When you're a kid and you don't, the, the common denominator that I see with a lot of people that I know that maybe have gone through some type of trauma in their childhood with their family or family members, or whether it be abuse mentally, physically, sexually, emotionally, like whatever it it may be, it's, they do not, that common denominator is that you don't realize that that's not normal. You don't realize that until you're out of that situation that you look back and you're like, well, shit, like that's not, oh wait, you didn't, you start to talk to your friends and you're like, oh wait, that didn't happen to you. Like your mom didn't speak to you like that. You're, you know, there could be so many different things that, that pop up. And it's so that common denominator for so many people that I've talked to or worked with that have had that trauma when they're younger. It's like you, you, um, in your gut, know Cause you were like, oh yeah, I was like saving money on the side to like get out of here. Like I was, <laughs> it's like you, your body and your mind and your soul mm. knew yes. this wasn't a safe place for you even because into intuitively that's not like you knew it wasn't normal but yet when you're in that world all the time it becomes part of your normal right absolutely mm-hmm. wow it's pretty amazing um so after so for you what did school and 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 childhood you know, growing up, like, what did that look like? Like, what was like, I'm just, you know, I'm picturing you as like a young Katie and just like, we all, I think when we've gone through something, when we were younger, we have that almost like a separate life we've lived. Like, I feel like I look back and I'm like, Oh, little Casey. And I feel like I'm talking Mm -hmm. to her and being like, Oh man, like, it's almost like a separate version of who you are now. So where were you as a kid? Like where Like, were you able, did you have people, did you, were you able to talk to anyone? Were you able to ask any questions or was it very, cause you said 18 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, when I, great question, let me think, Mm -hmm. there's so many ways that I could start talking about this. Um, I think one, the first thing that I want to say is that we weren't really able to talk about it. What, um, I, and I talk about this in my book as well, but I remember my sister and I both being told that there were like cameras or, or, and recording devices in the house. So like, you can't talk about it um, because then like your dad will hear about it and then he'll get really angry and it'll like get worse. So we never talked about it. And I do have, I actually have a twin sister and it's, it's kind of interesting to um we have a really great relationship now but sometimes we look back and it's like oh my god we were living in the same house we were twins going through life experiences at the same time but it never I didn't even know her you know what I mean like we were almost Mm -hmm. just living completely separate lives um because we were both Mm -hmm. just trying to like survive through what we were experiencing um and I guess as you know it's really interesting because I talk to people who went to school with me or even teachers and they're just kind of Um, blown away by the fact that these things happened and I think it's just 
because when you are in it again, as a kid, you're like, okay, well, these are the things that I need to do to get through it. And that's it. So I just joined every activity I possibly could at school. So I could be there until like 9pm every day, you know what I mean? And like not go home. Um, And so I was super involved. And I was like a great kid and really happy, because I was happy when I was at school. You know what I mean? I was away from it. So um, yes. And I think it's interesting that you asked me about that. I think it's you know what? I think the universe brings specific questions and reflections to you at the perfect time. Um, and it's funny that you asked me that because I have been recently kind of diving into this thing that we do as trauma survivors. I know myself and I know a lot of people do is that you almost take your like, um, because there's so many bad, like bad, scary memories, we just forget about everything from our childhood and our past. And, but there were actually, I mean, I had beautiful moments. I had moments at school. I had moments at friends. I even, you even have moments with the people in your family who were not good. You will have like positive interactions with them occasionally, but because that makes the abuse so much more confusing, we just forget about all of it and like block all of it out. So there are I've recently realized that I actually don't have a lot of memories and it's really difficult for me to kind of look back and remember things from my childhood because I've just blocked all of them out. Um, and that's something that I know a lot of trauma survivors also experience. So I want to share that just to say that it's totally normal and there are ways to kind of work through it in a way that's really safe. And so you can start remembering good memories. You can start working through negative memories in a really like safe, okay way. So you and your twin sister were you both experiencing this abuse? Yes, we both. um, And I can't, yes. And you know what? I really try not to speak to her experience because me having a business and publishing a book is like my thing and she is processing it in her own way, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But she, yes, we both experienced abuse, but in different ways um, that we're still kind of working through and talking about for ourselves, yeah. Yeah. Wow. My gosh. And so for, you know, it's, it's, I feel like, especially when you're like children are so what's the word I want to use here. Heather, help me. She's my fill in the blank. What's the (laughs) word that you can like get knocked down, but get back up again. Like what's that Mm. word? Resilient. Resilient. Thank you. you. I actually wanted to speak to that word too. It's so great that you brought that up. Katie, I like what you're bringing up is so beautiful because one of the beautiful things about, um, being survivors and thrivers of, um, years and years of abuse is that you do, you have this, um, built in resilience that, um, carries with you forever. And, you know, as a fellow thriver, (laughs) you know, I see you and I love you. And, um, in case I know that you, you're, you've, you are thriving in your own ways as well. Maybe not in like literal abuse by parents, obviously, but like we've all had experiences that, um, if we choose, right. Um, because there are other people who choose not to as well that can, can make us so resilient. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's one of the most beautiful gifts that I received too, Katie. So I really just, um, just want to honor you and just say that, like, it's so beautiful and wonderful that you can, um, you can like reach into your experiences of like shit and pull out those golden nuggets of, of what they're, what they've given you that, um, 
not just anybody is equipped with. And it's like part of your, your divine gifts in this lifetime that you, that you embody and that you be that like through who you be and through who you serve, like that becomes like an imprint onto them too. And you like show other people who they can be and who they can cultivate themselves to be. Heather, thank you so much. That was beautiful. And it made my heart so happy to hear that. So thank you. Doesn't she do that? Like she's she unbelievable. <laughs> Try being friends for 10 years. I'm like, geez. I'm like, Heather, you just saw into my soul and said exactly yes. what it needed to hear. So thank you. Literally, this is what I tell people. I'm like, okay, you're going to meet Heather and you're going to, you're, it's not like one of those things where like you meet Heather and she's looking at you like this. And she's like, I'm reading your soul. Like, it's not like that. It's like, she's just there and, and listens and like, all of a sudden she's like, I totally am. Like, and then she says this thing and you're like, how the F did you know that? Like, you know, mm. anyway, that's why I keep her around. Cause she's pretty cool, you know, but, um, so let's get into, this is my uh, question now that we're kind of building your story and I'm learning these different pieces. What for you, and maybe what age, this could also be the question of what did, you, when was the age or when did you say something for the first time? Like when, mm. and that could be when you were a kid, maybe you spoke up and you said, I don't know, something seems off, but maybe that never happened. I don't know. So when, when did you find these moments of starting to vocalize that something wasn't yeah. right? That's, so I actually just taught a workshop last night about um, how to feel comfortable before, during, and after sharing your story. Um, and this is wow. one of the things that came up is when you even start verbalizing it. So a lot of times people think when they hear sharing your story and they're like, oh, so you sit a group of people down or you sit your partner down and you like tell them everything. And that's not actually the case at all. <laughs> um, right. There's so many other steps and layers to sharing your story. And one of those is just being able to say it out loud to yourself, like this is happening or this happened. Um, and so I really, I mean, I think it was when I was 12, probably like 11 or 12, I started in my head, I couldn't even say it out loud. I would be like, okay, I think maybe, but I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not going to say anything. I can't like say, I don't want to make crazy accusations, but I think that maybe, um, they're doing things that they're not supposed to do. Um, and that years, that took me, I would say that in my head for years. And then I was finally able to on paper, start writing that exact same thing, but on paper and then did that for years. And then it wasn't until I was, um, I think, yeah, 17, 18, um, that I was, I, I remember reading a book and they were, um, I, I'll be totally honest, they were talking about this woman who had experienced rape and she was describing trying to be intimate with her partner and she was describing how she just completely left her body in order to be able to do this. And I remember putting the book down and being like, my God, I have been raped. Like, I get it. And I was finally able to say it out loud at that time. But then again, it wasn't until about a year later when I was 18 that I actually said it to a therapist at my school. Um, so it, being able to even just verbalize it to myself and then actually to another person took years. And there's nothing. And that's just something I want to also normalize to a lot of people because that is that is a process and everybody has their own process to being able to share their stories. But that's why I really do um, encourage everyone to start um, just being able to talk with yourself about your experiences. Don't even worry about sharing with other people, but really just 
get comfortable with their story for yourself and then being able to share it in the future if you want to is is going to be a lot easier I love that I see Heather and I's heads are both like, yes, 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 right? Like, and that's like, it's such a good reminder too for, for everyone. It's, there's, there's no pressure to ever, a lot of us that are sharing our stories online or have shared our stories and uh, with our clients or blogging or whatever, it's not, it's not the easiest thing. It's, and normally the people that are in it for the right reasons to physically not only work, maybe like it's therapeutic for yourself to put it out there, but also want to help other people by sharing their experience. It's normally, you know, it's not, you're not doing it for clout. You're not doing it to be like, well, my story is worse than your story. And I want to put it out here so everyone can feel bad for me. That's never like when that makes me feel yucky. Like that's, I would Hmm. never exemplify Uh, my story. I need like Heather to be like word checking me. Exemplify my story. Amplify my, no, exemplify. Okay. We're just going to go with, I would never share my story or make it more dramatic than it really is to get people to feel bad for me. It's more of Mm. that. We truly want to help other people. And that's why we come out with our stories and we're like, this is what we've gone through. And the other thing that is the common denominator again, between all of us with very different stories and backgrounds is that you have to work through it yourself first before you really can get through something. This is something that I have dealt with. This is something I know Heather has gone through. You just spoke about it until you say to yourself, this, some, this is not right. This is not, I'm struggling. This is what I think it is. It's, it's almost, you know, it's so much harder than to go to someone else and be like, can you help me work with this? Like, it's almost like you at first need to accept the acceptance, the acceptance of this is where I'm at and this is what I've gone through and this is how I'm feeling. And then all of a sudden that mountain that feels like it's so huge is now not that it doesn't make, it doesn't make what happened right, but it makes that big mountain you feel a much smaller hill to climb than when you're not talking about it to yourself or not accepting what's going on. And for everyone, that is so true. Normalizing how we all experience it very different and how we talk about it at completely different paces and how someone who has anxiety like myself, someone may never talk about their story. They may never want to bring it up or bring it out to people. And then there's me that that was always something very therapeutic to me. And I started to realize I was helping people by sharing that. And that became my driver behind being so open about it. And I wonder, have you found that? Have you found that once you started opening up and like, what was that like for you to almost, you know, open up to the public in a way of being like, here's my story. Like what a vulnerable <laughs> moment we feel, right? Yes. Yes. And the, the, the reason I laugh is just because I think back to my reaction. I mean, I spent, I spent eight years writing this book and I've always been very wow. open because I do truly believe that, um, in sharing my story, like my just sole mission in life is to speak about the things that I know everyone is experiencing as a survivor, but they think they're alone in. And so I will just be super awkward. I will share my super uncomfortable, really weird stories so that everyone's like, oh my God. Okay. Thank you. Yes. I experienced this too. Um, for exam, and I will get back to sharing my story in a second, but just for example, um, 
honestly one of the most rewarding things that I've heard is I talk about, I spent an entire chapter of my book talking about masturbation and learning how to find pleasure for yourself after experiencing trauma. Um, and I, and I talk, and again, I know that you're probably going to give trigger warnings before this. Um, and I don't want to trigger, but I, I talk about, um, being, um, own, when I was intimate with partners, even when they were like the most loving, supportive partners, the only way that I could orgasm was by imagining something really terrible or degrading happening to me. And that was just because of the abuse I had been conditioned in order to do that. And that is something that is really difficult to say out loud. It is very difficult to talk to people about or ask help for. Um, and I really share that story in my book. And I talk about my entire journey of learning to actually be able to first experience pleasure for myself in a way that's really positive and uplifting, and then being able to be intimate with partners and not have to think about those things in order to orgasm with them. Um, and I've had so many people message me after reading the book and say like, I just started crying because I always thought that I was the only person that ever experienced this. I had no idea that it was normal and that other people experienced it. And it was just so therapeutic for them to be able to just hear that other people experience it. So that, yes, to sharing your story. I, I, that's why I, that's why I share my story. It's gonna, I say some really uncomfortable things. I share things that are really uncomfortable for me to share, but it's because I know that it can help other people. Um, so as far as how it felt to share my story, um, I remember, again, I spent like eight years writing this, rewriting it. And so obviously I was familiar with it, but I remember the day after it officially was published, I sat down and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to read it as a reader for the first time instead of a writer. And just, you know, and check for, you know, any possible errors, like I'll just <laughs> do one last over. But I read it. And I remember afterwards I closed it and I was like, ah! and I freaked. And for the next three days, I, I mean, for the next week, even I like couldn't eat. I couldn't focus. I was, I, it was, I just had this dread and all of these emotions came up like shame, embarrassment, fear, insecurities, confusion, like everything. And um, that was actually when I started developing the how to share your story workshop because I had seen so many platforms really encourage you to share your story as a, because it's it's them and they advertise it as a really empowering experience which it can be but what nobody shared was that there's actually this full spectrum of emotions that you will experience and no one's really sharing that one that's normal and two like okay here's some ways to work through that after sharing your story so um that is it's really important to to me to help people if they're interested in sharing their story just be able to navigate all of the stuff that comes up after doing so yeah oh my gosh so many pieces there I like take notes the whole time as you can tell I'm I'm not texting or looking at my phone while <laughs> driving I promise <laughs> um but so first of all so being from someone who's also written a book with Heather right eight years to me is like holy holy Jesus, right? Like that is like a long time. That is, I like would send Heather my draft and she'd like send me back a thousand red marks all over and be like, but I love you. Good try. <laughs> like I am not like the grammar queen over here. So, but it's, I remember sitting in the coffee shop and 
and being like, we're going to write a book. Like we're going to share our story and we're going to do this. And here's our ideas. And here we go. And I like got all my shit together and got my coffee and sat in the coffee shop in Pittsburgh. It's not there anymore. Coffee Buddha was like my favorite place ever. It makes me so sad. Yes. But anyway, sitting, do you know coffee Buddha? I do. Yeah. <laughs> Heather's also been there. Oh, oh my God. I love it. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite place. Anyway, so I'm sitting in coffee Buddha upstairs and I open up my computer, like I'm going to write a book today. And I literally sit there and I'm panicking. I'm like staring mm -hmm. at this white screen. Like I have no idea how to write a book. I have no idea. How am I even going to start this? Like, hi guys, period. Like what, what do I do? And then I remember it hit me of you've already shared your, your words in blog posts, in mm. social media posts, in, you know, cause we wrote the book after we had already had this, this online presence for lack of a better term. Right. And so I started going into old blog posts and old posts that I made and old, and I'm like, these are the nuggets. This is, I've already put this out there. And then once you start to build and put the pieces together, the book started to come together. Cause I was like this, it's almost like, even though it's your life and you know what happened, writing it out for some reason is a very overwhelming feeling. And especially when it brings back all those feelings of, it's almost like a, a second time you go through what you're, what you've gone through. So do you feel like that's maybe why it took you eight years or what do you think was, you know, mm. the, the, the story behind writing the book, like, tell me where that came from. Well, so I, I remember the exact day that I um, decided to write the book and it was after, again, my very first relationship. And I remember we had um, as in every relationship, like when you first start, you're like, oh yeah, let's have sex every time we see each other. Yes. And then <laughs> there's like a day where you're like, okay, well maybe we could just watch a movie, you know, yeah. and it's normal. Right. Um, but I remember that day happening and me being like, oh my God, like I just, all of, all of these things started coming up. And finally I like sat down, I talked to myself about it and I realized that it was because I had learned that the only way for me to have as um, maybe, I don't want to say messed up, nothing about what we ever say or experience is messed up, but as messed up as it may sound, um, I, the only way that I was taught that I had any power was being sexually desired. And so if I, if my partner decided that he was like, oh, I don't want to have sex today, then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I am vulnerable to being hurt. I'm vulnerable to this person leaving. I'm vulnerable to all of these things. I have no power. And I was like, oh, well, this is definitely a trauma response. And I know that if I'm experiencing it, so many other people are experiencing it. So I'm going to just sit down and write about it. Um, and that's when I decided, I was like, I need to write a book because there was nobody here to talk me through this. And I know that people need someone to talk them through this. Um, and just small, subtle experiences like that, that you experience when you've experienced trauma. Um, and so the reason it took so long was really because it was me saying, oh, this thing popped up today and then writing about it and working through it myself and saying, okay, here's a tool that I tried, didn't work. Here's another tool I tried, that didn't work. Oh, here's one I tried, awesome. That really worked, so let's write about that. Um, and so that's actually, I think, a really cool thing about my book is that all of the tools that I use were tools that were actually, I used in the moment while I was experiencing a trigger or trying to work through something or heal something. And so it's really, it's not just, 
me sitting down 10 years later and being like, okay, I remember five years ago, this happened. And this is how I think I worked through it. It was like, in this moment, this is how I got through it. And so now I'm sharing it with you. Um, And that was really why it kind of took so long (laughs) was I just was navigating things as they came up. Which is so, I think, amazing though, because Heather and I just mentioned this too in like another one of our podcasts was we want to write like a part two to our book because when Mm -hmm. we wrote it, we, I don't even know how long it took us, Heather, to like write that, but definitely not eight years. And so now here we are, you know, six years post writing the book and being like, oh, we need like a part two because we are a lot different than what we were like six years ago. So I feel like it's such an interesting concept to have written it for that long. And, and did you ever like want to go back and change something at like year number eight? Were you like, uh, what's like chapter one saying, right? Oh, totally. There were so many rewrites, but it's actually funny that you say that too, because I, to this day will wake up at 3am and be like, Oh my God. Okay. I need to like email my editor and blah, blah, blah. And be like, can we rewrite this and change this and like re-upload the book and start and I finally had a friend who was like, stop. It's, it's yeah. not about the book. It's actually kind of a trauma response of you like doubting yourself and not and being like afraid. And so you're just just get used to the fact that for the rest of your life, you're going to work, wake up at 3am and want to change something, but you can't. So just stop. <laughs> and yes. I was like, you know, you're right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but now, it's hard. Oh my gosh. Like that, like we also had a moment too, where it was like, uh, like, do we pull the book down? Cause like of some things that like Heather was feeling about, like that she had already Mm. shared and like, we, it's like a, it's a continuing journey. Like, even though you've put something out there to the world, like it's a continuing journey. Um, so I'm learning a lot because, you know, this experience is something I've personally not experienced. So I'm just Mm. learning so much from you and I'm thinking, so, cause relationships in general, right? Like you don't realize the shit that kind of comes out when you start to be vulnerable with somebody else. And like, I, from like a body image perspective too, like, I remember just like hiding from my now husband, right? We've been together. I don't even know, nine, eight, eight, nine years. And like, if I was changing my clothes, I would go in the bathroom and like close the door and change my clothes. And like, he would just like whip this up. Like he didn't care. He's like, why? Like, are you, are you okay? Like why? Like, but never like questioned me on it. Just always gave me my like privacy and my space Mm. and was like, okay, so you're going to change clothes in the bathroom. I'm not going to say anything, but yet, I mean, sorry, mom, but like later at night, obviously like he's (laughs) seeing other things. So, but then I would always be like, lights need to be off. Like I was very Mm. like, very, I, but it didn't hit me until after I started to heal with my body image issues that that was what was coming up for me. It was like, I can't let someone see me naked Mm. because that's bringing all of this shit to the surface. I know Heather wants to hop in here. I can tell. She knows me so well. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is like, this is so yes, all of this because right. It's like, in our, here in the United States, we live in such an individualistic culture, right? It's like, even the way that we approach modern psychotherapy, we assume that the problem is only located in the individual. And we don't consider Mm. that there are relational dynamics at play. That's not to say that those of us who have experienced abuse at the hands of parents are at fault for anything. It is to say that there is a relational dynamic at play that is impacting Mm -hmm. all of our relationships. 
And most of the coaching and therapy that is out there is so individually focused that when we get into relationships, we feel so ill-prepared and it's no one's fault. It's just like, you know, the motto of America is like, you can do whatever you want. It's all about you. It's in you. And it's like, yes, that's so true. And also we are relational beings, you know? Mm. And so it's like, we feel like what's wrong with me or, you know, it's even when I'm in grad school right now studying to become a licensed uh, couples and family therapist. So it's like, whenever you get a family in the room, the symptomatic family member is the one who like, gets all the shit put on them. You know, the whole family's like, Mm. we're here for Wendy. Wendy's the one who's (laughs) the problem, right? Or like, even like thinking about um, how, you know, my, the function of the symptom of um, the eating disorder that I had, the function of the symptom of um, my role in the narcissistic abuse. And Mm. I know this is very like, we're, we're treading a line here, but it, when we think of it um, this way, we truly have so much autonomy. We have so much freedom and it removes the victim blaming energy where we don't need to blame another person outside of us. Mm -hmm. Because like one of the things that I struggled with when I first became aware that I had been narcissistically abused by my dad for my whole life Mm -hmm. is that all of the communities out there, similar to what you were saying, Katie, about like when you were like really just, you know, reading these books and you were like, God, like everything feels like a death sentence. Like, where's the lightness? Like everything that I read was like blaming the narcissist. They would even be like, we blame the narcissist. And it's like, and I would look at these people and they're just like drowning in their own shit. Like Mm. they like being there. Right. And so I started looking at that pattern and I was like, oh, we are so, you know, in, in the case of narcissistic abuse, it's like, you're so used to being an emotional dumping bag that you just become an emotional dumping bag and you keep doing that. And it's a relational pattern, but because we are such an individualistic society, we don't see that there's a relational dynamic that we're continuing to play out and mm-hmm. it keeps us stuck. Right. So it's like, even when you heal stuff inside of you individually, you just feel so ill-prepared and you're like, why, what's going on? And so I just love that this is being brought to light in this podcast because it's sort of taboo and it's not really talked about that. It's not to say that we're blaming anyone. It's just to say that like, let's take a, a really good look at the relational dynamics that we were present in and how they're playing out and let's reclaim our power and do something different, you know? Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And I think it's so important what you're saying. And I would love to kind of expand on that. Um, And okay, perfect. I, I really do hear what you're saying about, um, of course, anyone who is experienced abuse like no it is not their fault whatsoever um I do think that there is a tendency to then say well the abuser is bad which yes of course um however I I what you mentioned about like putting all of the blame on the narcissist right it's the same thing and I think uh, I'm going to try to articulate this in the proper way um but I have just recently 
for a really long time in order to survive, in order to be able to do my own healing, I needed to say, oh, my parents are bad. This person is bad. They are bad. And that allowed me to shut down any other type of connection with them so that I was able to move through those things and heal properly. Um, but now I'm at the point where I have done that healing and I'm able to say, okay, yes, absolutely. What they did was unacceptable and it's not okay. Um, that said, they also had their own issues. And I think that being able to extend that grace to people is actually allows you to extend that own great, that same grace to yourself when you're working through things. And I think it also allows you to have a more effective dynamic with other relationships in your life, because you're able to recognize like nothing's all good. Nothing's bad. Nothing's really bad or good. It's like, everything is all of it. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I love that. All the pom poms in the air. <laughs> I was waiting for Heather to talk before I said anything. <laughs> I just love that, Katie. It's so true. I so resonate with that. You know, you go through, it's the grieving process. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the denial, the anger, and da, da da da. And then you reach this space of like, oh, like my parents are people. And if I look right. back into their history, you know, looking back into my own parents' history as well, like I so hear you. It's like, what they experienced was abhorrent and it does not excuse their behavior. It doesn't mean that I accept the behavior. It does right. mean that I have deep love and empathy for what they experienced. It doesn't mean that I don't have fierce fucking boundaries over my life. Right. I'm not right, really like right. someone walk in and it's great. It's so, right. I just love what you say. Like it's not right or wrong or good or bad. It's that you can hold the multiplicity of the full spectrum of them because now you can hold the multiplicity of the full spectrum of you. And, um, and yeah, it really is like so liberating. So I just thank you for speaking to that. So freaking oh, beautiful. Sweet. Thank so you for bringing it up. That was great. Oh my gosh. That like made my heart like light. Like it was like, yeah, like to, to offer grace to something that hurt you more than anything, but it's like, for yourself, it almost gives, it seems to give permission to allow yourself to then move forward. Cause the more that it's just like holding a grudge, I would assume, right? Like, it's like, you're holding that grudge. And like, I've, you know, I've had grudges before maybe that like you hold on to, and it's like, that's not helping me heal by constantly when this person's out living their life and I'm here mad when that's not affecting them. So it's like, you're taking ownership of how you feel. And you do, Katie, you have this gift of just making that, making this conversation light and being very, like, you're super educational. Like I'm learning so much and I'm learning so much about the process behind going through something like this, but that it's also, there is, there's that lightheartedness of like, you know, it's like, you're going to be okay. Like we're, it's not going to be easy, but you're gonna, you're going to be able to get through something, you know, and, and, and move forward. Um, I guess a question I have is, for you, right? Like we, Heather and I have also obviously in our own worlds gotten help and, and, and done things step one, step two, step three, that has led us, um, to where we are now. But where do you think, like, if you were talking to your younger self, I kind of love this question always for myself too. It's like, if I was talking to little Casey, like <laughs> little case, right? Like, where would I, what would I say to them and be like, here's what I want you to do step, maybe it doesn't have to be three steps, but maybe it's step one or two into where you are now. Like, where do you think you would, you would tell your younger self to do, to get yeah. help? Oh, 
Yes. Well, so great question. And that is actually past self-work and younger self-work. That is something that I talk about in my book and it is something that I do constantly and I recommend to everyone. And that is, um, I'll just tell you what my little process is for that. And it's really, well, okay. First, I want to say that a lot of people are really hesitant to do that. Like they're, they, I talk to them about it and there's kind of a, an, an initial resistance and it's because they're like, oh God, I don't want to go back to that time and think about it. And they kind of think of it as like reliving the entire thing. But I always like to equate it to the work of a firefighter, um, a fighter as you know, firefighters will go into a burning building, but their goal is to go and take whoever's in there and save them, pull them out. They're not like, oh, I'm going to make a cup of coffee or I'm going to take in the scenery. I'm going to watch some TV while this building burns down. I'm going in, I'm saving this person. I'm coming out. And that's what we do when we do past self-work. We're not trying to relive or re-experience what we felt or thought during that time. We're just going back, meeting our past selves, having the conversation that they needed in that moment giving them whatever they needed in that moment and then coming back. Um, so really what I enjoy doing is one, anytime I feel like I'm being really triggered by something, I will say, Ooh, who is this? Because it's not my present self. Like, who is this? And I guarantee you, when you ask that question, a memory of some time in your life will pop up. And that is the little girl or the little boy version of yourself that needs you right now, the little person version. Um, and so I will say that I'll be like, ooh, who, who is this? And then maybe my six-year-old self will pop up and I'll remember her had just having experienced abuse and being like terrified alone in her closet, like not able to touch herself, you know? Um, and I'll be like, okay. So I will go back to that time and I will like shield her, imagine shielding her in light and I'll just talk to her and I'll be like, and sometimes she's terrified. She doesn't want to touch. Other times she immediately wants to start talking but I'll just ask her a question I'll be like hey what's going on and then listen and then um just li honest the number one step is just listening and letting that little person version of you talk because most likely in those situations they weren't able to verbalize what they needed or what they were experiencing so just listening is huge mm -hmm. and then the second is I ask them what they need like hey okay what do you need right now to feel safe where do you want to go where do you want to go and she'll Sometimes she'll be like, I want to go to a giant pool filled with gumballs and I want an ice cream cone that like floats next to me as I swim. Okay. Be like, All right, let's go. And then I just imagine like me and her going there and she feels safe. And I and then I tell her like, I'll let her hang out or do her own thing. And then at the end, I'll be like, okay, you can stay here. You never, ever have to go back to where you were. And if there's ever a new place that you want to go, you can go, you can go there, but you're safe. And I, if you ever need me, just call me again. I'll be there or whatever version of that feels good to you and it sounds maybe it sounds kind of crazy or whatever but it is truly doing this with your little person version of yourself at any time in your life is huge it will change your life it really will because you're going back to a time where you desperately needed something either emotionally or comforting wise that you didn't receive or even maybe you received the opposite and you are giving yourself exactly what you needed in that moment that, and, and we often say too, like when, when we talk, when anyone talks about the skills or the practice they put into, or the, I'm sorry, the skills they put into practice, as far as things that help them get through something, oftentimes you will say like, sorry, this not even sorry, but this could sound a little crazy, but this is what has worked because I'm with you on that. And Heather's with you on that. It's like you, sometimes the things that you 
need to do the most are often to someone who's never gone through that. They're going to be like, oh, so I have to like, think about like my younger self and then like riding there with them and like that. It doesn't, but it's, it's, it's amazing. These things that you might think otherwise are actually very helpful in these processes and something that you are just kind of like at, in the beginning, there's resistance there to be like, um, I don't want to talk to my younger self. Like I feel a little bit like, like crazy right now. But then once you kind of start to let that guard down and you keep doing, it's like, oh, okay, this is actually like feeling pretty good. Or I'm actually like able to like, you know, maybe look at my younger self and say, you know, sorry, not even sorry that you did anything, but you know, I'm sorry that you thought this was normal. And I'm sorry that, you know, and you almost mm. start to have these conversations with yourself as like, because you didn't know at the time, like you didn't know at the time. Um, right. and that's, that's pretty, pretty powerful. Yeah. And the one thing that I, I mean, if, if, if everyone can take one thing away from this entire podcast, I would say, please talk to yourself. Just that is the number one healing tool that I can recommend to anyone is just talking to yourself because so many of us think that like, Oh God, I just wish I had a mom right now. Or I wish I could talk to a dad right now. Or I wish I had my therapist or my best friend, whatever, or a partner. And, or I wish I just had a partner to hold me. And we think that the only way to receive these energies that we're craving is through other people. And yes, of course it is amazing to receive them from other people and it's positive. And I'm never saying don't do that, but what I am saying is that we have all these energies within us at all times and we can access them whenever we want to. So there are moments where I'm like, oh my God, I am so sad right now. And I deeply wish that I could just be held and have my head pet and comforted by my mom while I told her what was going on. I'll be like, okay, let's go. And I curl up on the couch and I hold myself and I'll be like, okay, tell me what's going on. And I will just be the mother energy for myself. Or if I need a protective dad, like I will be the protective dad for myself. And that energy, like whatever energy you, you really are craving, like allow yourself, just talk to yourself and see how you can bring that energy in for yourself. And again, like we said, maybe that sounds kind of crazy, but it will be the most healing and empowering experience on your journey. I can guarantee you that. Like when you bring those energies for yourself, as opposed to thinking that you can only receive them from someone else, it, it is a really powerful shift. Go ahead, Heather. I see you, girl. <laughs> Heather You're starts so inching funny. towards her microphone yeah, and like she's about to talk. It wasn't this time. But no, just like all all again, all I have like all the pom-poms in the air. I just like ever since we've started this podcast, I just see like your team of angels surrounding you with pom-poms and they're just like it's like you really do have this um spirit team surrounding you that is so light and and playful and childlike and like they've just been holding pom-poms the whole time. So I just keep doing it because it's just it's just so beautiful and it's your energy too. Um oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, I loved that so much. That just made me feel so good. So thank you. <laughs> and I just I I totally resonate with this as well. Um for the first two years um, of narcissistic abuse recovery, um, I would wake up every morning and um, I uh, spirit gave me an inner child meditation that I channeled for mm -hmm. myself and I would practice it. And it was me listening to me every morning. And um, you're just so right. You're so right. There are, and it's not for everyone, but if it's for you, you'll know. Um, Cause there are, it's like, there are these 
parts of us, um, pieces of us, uh, qualities of us that get scattered. Um, you know, when we live in such a do, 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 produce, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve society as well. So it's just like we go through our lives and, and, and then we feel fragmented because we haven't had mm. the time and space, especially if we've been in abuse situations, to, um, to integrate those parts of ourselves. And it just has been such a beautiful experience to reparent those parts of me that felt unseen to continue to reparent those parts that have felt unseen and to send them off like you were saying like um to send them off into the light and to say like you're safe like you're good you know and like like you were also saying what to really listen to what they're saying because it's true I would have experiences as well where and it was very uncomfortable because I wanted to to fix her sometimes. Mm. I wanted to save her and I wanted to, I wanted what I wanted. Right. But she wanted to just be like, I specifically remember this time where, uh, this one session that I had with myself in the morning where she just wanted to like crouch in a ball and cry. Mm. And she didn't want, like you were saying, like, she didn't want me to touch her. And for me, my present self, it was so hard to allow her. And it was this, it's so hard, right? Cause it's like, um, it's a beyond this reality experience, but when you, you start to, to see how much you, and then everyone around you, like just needs to be witnessed and, ha- and just mm. seen. Um, and that was such a powerful experience. And I remember after I was squirming, like not like do just like allowing her to be, it like after however long it took she softened and she like like crawled over and like got into my lap and like wanted me to hold her and then we stayed there and then I could send her off into the light and so I just love I love how you're speaking to this and in that it's like this truly multifaceted experience um and when you are in recovery from uh, extensive trauma it it I just could not agree more. It, it really is one of the most powerful practices to return yourself to that experience of wholeness within yourself. Mm. Beautifully wow. said. And I just would love to add that when you didn't touch her, when your little girl self to you that space, you just told her that her boundaries are valid, which was maybe something that she didn't learn before. So that was huge in itself. Mm. Thank you so much for saying that. That is so true. Yes. And that's something I think that as you get older, you start to obviously understand boundaries more and you're so, I don't mean naive in a bad way, but when you're younger, you just trust everybody around you. Like everyone Mm -hmm. around you is supposed to take care of you. Like why is this must be normal? This, this boundary must be normal. I don't have a boundary. You know, it's like, it's, that to me is like, no wonder you grow up after dealing with something like this and you don't trust yourself or you trust other people because the people around you are supposed to be taking care of you. Mm-hmm. And that's just what we naturally feel when you're, you know, when you're younger. So to give yourself your former even self validation of like, you're like, you're now you have boundaries, you've built boundaries. Like this is normal. This is what we want. We want to build these boundaries. It's such an empowering 
I'm sure it's such an empowering feeling to be like, I have fucking boundaries now and this isn't going to, you know what I mean? And we're, we're Mm -hmm. more aware of that. Um, and I'd like to, I mean, obviously I could, we could talk to you all freaking day. You're just like (laughs) such a light. I love it. Um, and we can totally come together again and do another part part two on this. I love it. Um, but I would love to, uh, cause you've given such, you've already, you already answered actually one of the questions I wanted to almost like end on, but then I have another one, of course, on top of that. But, um, so obviously you saying like your number one, like we always want to leave people with something like what, mm-hmm. what can you take away from this? And I think the beauty of these, all these people we've brought on here that are sharing their individual stories, they might be different than you listening. Everyone could be in the car listening to this story and be like, even though I did not go through what Katie went through, I took something from this conversation, whether it's setting a boundary for yourself and being like, you know, or talking to yourself about something you're going through in your own life. And your number one tip that I was also going to ask you was like, what's your number one thing you would tell someone? It's like, it's talking to yourself and being like, cause I remember like one time in the car feeling anxious and being like, you, you okay case? Like, what do you need? Yes. And, and that had hardly never happened. Like we are living in our bodies. We are, we are the only person we are around sometimes, especially like in these moments when everyone's more so in their house than before, but it's like you. And even if you are around a lot of people, which I am too, sometimes you're not checking in with yourself ever. It's like, did you even mm-hmm. look in the mirror and say, hi, like, Oh, what's up, Casey? Like, thanks for, thank you for pushing me through this day today. Or thank you for showing up where you were supposed to show up and do what you did. Like, we don't, we expect ourselves to do that. We expect ourselves to just do, and we hardly ever just go, Hey, what do you need girl? Like talk to yourself. Like I would talk to either one of you. If you were sitting next to me and I could tell you were anxious, I'd be like, what do you need? What do you need space? Do you need to talk to someone? What do we need? And we'd hardly ever do that with ourselves. And that is a, that in itself is a hard thing to do. No matter how old you are, I feel like that is a hard thing to do because oftentimes you don't maybe want to face with what you're actually feeling or going through. So if you check in with yourself and you're like, I'm struggling, I'm feeling this way, then maybe your next steps become much more clear on what would be a next step, right? Or maybe it's just chilling with yourself for a couple of days and being like, okay, I just need to check in with her, with within myself. Like there is a soul in here that who I am, I'm not just this physical body going through my day-to-day, you know, life showing up for other people, you know, it's like, you have to show up for yourself too. And so when it comes to coaching now, which is often the next step we take as people that are, have gone through something, have shared our stories, Mm -hmm. have opened up and vulnerable to other people. A lot of times we then start to help people that have gone through the same thing that we have, or that are maybe, you know, in that same world of things that they're dealing with. We want to then help them. And that's what I found was, okay, I struggled with fitness and food. I struggled with over-exercising, under-eating. I struggled with this. Now I'm a personal trainer that literally helps people fuel their body and feel strong and not let it always be about your outside, what your outside looks like, because I know that that is needed because that's what I needed. So it's very interesting, you know, and I'd love for you to touch on your coaching to kind of bring this all together, but like what led you to coaching where you're at now with it? And we always say we teach what we also need right? Mm -hmm. So even though we are a professional at what we do and we're certified and whatnot, 
you're always learning and you're always growing and you're always, you're in this space, but you're, 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 you're becoming so much more of when, when you started coaching compared to where you are now. That's how I feel. Like when I started training, oh my gosh, I'm like 22 year old Casey was still going through shit, like going through hard shit. Like it was not, (laughs) I was not like, I was not all clear to be probably coaching people, but I did. And then that helped me learn and grow. So for you, you know, what brought you to coaching where you're at now with it? And I'd love to just kind of, you know, wrap it up on that question. And then obviously let everyone know where they can find you. (laughs) Awesome. Yes. Well, so what led me to coaching was I had gone to therapy and I still go to therapy. I absolutely love therapy. I think it's essential when you're working through things. Um, that, that said, I know that I got to the point and I know that so many people I've spoken to get to the point where they're like, okay, I feel like therapy is like an archeological dig into my past and like how it's affecting me now and what happened. And it felt like they, I just felt like I knew my story. I knew how it was affecting me. I knew all of my shit essentially. Um, now how, but how do I move forward now? And I want, I want a way to move forward that is more conversational, uh, less formal. Not, I don't want to say less formal, but less um, like clinical and just feels like it's focusing less on my um, retelling the story of my trauma and more on, okay, what do we do now? How do we move forward? And mm-hmm. so that is when I started my coaching business and I work with people who've experienced trauma who have either who are either in therapy and would like me to kind of work in collaboration with their therapist um, or people who have done some healing work and are and have gone to therapy and are now like okay I would like a a new way to to explore moving forward and healing Um, so that is what I do with my coaching and I want to emphasize I emphasize also but I am not myself I am not a therapist and I think it's so exciting to see because um I mean I started my business only uh, um almost two years ago so it's new but when I first started it was like people were like wait a minute you're not a therapist and you're trying to talk about trauma like absolutely not and I even had people who were therapists like would email me and be like how dare you try to talk about helping people with trauma like blah blah Mm. and totally valid like trauma is something that is so it can be very fragile and like we need you need to know how to work with people who've experienced trauma in order to do that you have you know um that said I am so happy to see that now when I tell people that I'm a therapist like nobody even blinks their eye nobody blinks an eye because I really feel like people are embracing a lot of other holistic ways of healing and just acknowledging that people through their own experiences can help people who are experiencing something similar. Um, and there are just so many other ways to heal and move forward. And I think it, I just think it's really cool and exciting to see. And it's really also exciting to see that so many other people are kind of starting to do the same um, as, as me, like work with people who have experienced trauma based on their own experiences and healing tools. So, um, so that is my one-on-one coaching. And then I also offer a, um, a virtual healing program. And that is just for anybody who's like, you know what, I would really like to kind of work through some of my things on my own. I'm not necessarily ready to do like one-on-one. I just really want to be able to do everything at my own pace on my own. Um, They can sign up for that. And I work through um, really everything from just identifying some of the negative beliefs. I call them bullshit thoughts or like Mm -hmm. voids that have formed 
as a result of the trauma all the way to learning how to feel sexy again after experiencing trauma. So um, Mm. yeah. And so if anybody's interested in any of that, you can find me. I have a website at katiemalonecoaching.com. And I'm also on Instagram at katiemalonecoaching and Facebook dot com slash Katie Maloney coaching. And then I also just started a Twitter <laughs> um, <so>. in 2020. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm, oh my God. Yeah. I'm so terrible at technology. So I just started Twitter and, um, somebody's like, you need to do that. So it's at KM coaching. So you can check me out there. I love it. She just answered mm-hmm. without even me having to ask, like, where can we <laughs> find you? Oh my God. I love it. No, I kind of did ask. I was like, and then we're going to ask, where can we find you? But truly Oh my gosh. You are just a light. I feel it. I know it. Heather's going to most likely agree with this. Like we, you just, and that's why, like I was saying this yesterday to clients of mine, they're asking about the podcast and stuff. And I said, you know, it's selfishly, I'm getting to meet these amazing people. And I have such a passion for connecting, not even just myself with other people, but like connecting others and being like, you like, you need to listen to this story and you need to meet this person because it, you being so vulnerable and being so open and the guests coming on this show are just sharing your truth. And that is exactly what I've always wanted is just true, trueness, being true to yourself, showing your truth. And then that is helping people, like I said, who may have not gone through what you went through, but just listening to this is going to get them fired up to be like, okay, so if this big mountain takes over my life, like I know that I can get through this and move on to the other side. And it's always a, for me, my past is a part of me, but it's definitely not who I am. Right. And it's not who we are and it's how can we take that and then help others with it. And I think what you're doing is just a beautiful, brave, um, thing. And so I just want to say thank you for being you because that's, you fired me up. Like you, like, I want to go run through a wall right now. Like I'm like, let's go. Um, but it's so true. And so you being so open is just helping so many people. So I appreciate you so much coming on here and talking to us and we will totally have you back on again. Maybe we can do a little more about, um, you know, just opening up into like a little bit more deeper into these. I mean, everything you were talking about earlier about the, the, before, middle, after of sharing your story. And I'm like, oh, I want to know about all of this. So I think there's more we can leave people hanging with like, yeah, like I want to, you know, I want to hear Katie again. So thank you so much for coming on. And Heather, if you wanted to throw a couple words, toss them out there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being different and like being willing to be different and like coming back full circle to just like how resilient you are, because like, I hear you about the trauma situation with the therapists and, you know, I'm training to be, become a a licensed therapist and I'm currently a coach and a a breathwork teacher too. Um, and so I work with, with people who have experienced a lot of trauma and I, I totally hear that and the feedback that can come at you. And I just want to like acknowledge how freaking like strong and resilient, resilient you are for, receiving that and just being like, okay, like interesting point of view. You're free to have it. I'm going to keep doing my thing. Cause I know what I'm here for. Like, that's so badass. It's Joan of Arc vibes. <laughs> and I just mm-hmm. like, it's really amazing. And just thank you for being, and thank you for saying yes to your path and your soul's curriculum and for just being a wonderful being. You're amazing. Oh, Thank you so much. And thank you for <laughs> reminding me of that, all of that as well. That was 
really powerful and I needed to hear that. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Aww. I just feel like, you know, with all of the pressure and intensity, that's, that is this, uh, physical world reality right now. Mm -hmm. Like we are the ones I feel who came here to be in this reality and not of this reality. And I just mm -hmm. like, we got to stand beside each other and breathe love into each other and remind each other of who we are, because there are a lot of people out there who want to tell us who something that we're not, and we don't want to believe that anymore. Yes. And so just thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you. Thank you to both of you. Thank you for having me. This was such a wonderful experience. I loved it. Oh, yay. Well, thank you, Katie. And make sure you check out all the links below to Katie's book. Cause you got to check that out. Cake pops and coffee. Did I say it in the right order? It's not coffee yes. and cake pops. Okay, good. I like wrote it down and I was like questioning myself. I was like, shit, I might've put that backwards. <laughs> cake pop, cake pops and coffee, two of my favorite things. Um, and definitely check out her book and all of her links below for coaching and where you can find Katie, especially on Twitter. Make sure you're following Katie on Twitter. She just started one people. Let's go. Um, thank you so much for joining me guys and make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating or a review and tell Katie how amazing she is. And we will see you in the next episode.